My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a Domino podcast with my friend, Dan White. And for five years, we have brought you the very best of the network, but it's time for a change. Now, we don't just confine ourselves to Vinnie Mac, bring you AEW, Impact, NJPW, and all the latest for the British wrestling scene. But we will still bring you all our old favourites, including NXT Update, Takeovers and live shows for the Big Four. This year we will decide who is the greatest British wrestler in the world, plus so much more. But until we watch everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Life hinges on moments. For me, one of those moments was in late 1999. This is wrestling's backwater. The independent circuit, where most wrestlers will spend their careers. Seen all over the world on ABC 2020, I'd achieved the first step of my childhood dream to become a professional wrestler. For Nigel, this moment's been a year in the making. Within months, however, my visa ran out and I had to return to England. A decade later, in the summer of 2009, I'd become one of the most critically acclaimed professional wrestlers in the world, and had finally signed a contract with World Wrestling Entertainment, the largest and most successful company in the history of professional wrestling. Months later, however, they rescinded the contract for an old arm injury, leaving me the only option of signing with Total Nonstop Action, TNA for short, professional wrestling's secondary company. Fast forward to the following summer, and in the middle of a program for the tag team titles, I was pulled from the pay-per-view at the last moment, after testing positive for hepatitis B while working there. Less than a year after that, having barely been used or paid again, I was fired from the company. With my career in TNA over, and WWE not interested, all I had was the grocery store job I'd had to get when TNA had stopped using me. A few years earlier I'd actually been in the movie The Wrestler, Now, it felt like I was the real thing. These, then, were pivotal moments in my life. But was I destined to be defined by them? Or would it be my reaction to them that ultimately would determine how I'd be remembered? It was with that thought in my head, coupled with the burden of having to carry the secrets of what happened in WWE and TNA, that having cleared the virus and being cleared to wrestle, I decided to go on one final tour. Back to the small shows where I'd started. It would be the last chance to say goodbye. The last chance for a resolution. The last of McGuinness. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands and as always I'm joined by... Dan White. And today is the WNR 7-1. Well, that was Nigel McGuinness in his own words, but today the WNR, for the very first time, dive into British wrestling history and start profiling the greats. And the first one, of course, is the man we heard. It's time for the Nigel McGuinness 
superstar profile. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we're doing on the podcast this year is trying to answer a question as we ask ourselves. So with Nigel McGuinness, the question would be, in his own high, in his own eyes, he was never truly a great because he wasn't in WWE. But has he actually had a Hall of Fame career? And does it matter that he was never in WWE? So that is what we're trying to answer here today on the Nigel McGuinness profile. Dan, how are you? And are you looking forward to this episode? It's going to be a very special one here today. I am, yes. I haven't uh, delved into Nigel McGuinness too much, so it's going to be you know, something quite new to me as well. And I'm looking forward to kind of going on a journey and seeing who you know the Mary table is. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. So let's just start quickly with the stats for anybody that's never, ever heard of Nigel McGuinness. He weighs 225 pounds. He was from London, England. He was trained by Robbie Brookside, of course, a long-term trainer in WWE now and, of course, British wrestling. Chick Cullen. Les Thatcher. And Dave Taylor. And he debuted September 1999. And he retired September 17th, 2011. And promotions, he was in TNA as Desmond Wolfe. In Ring of Honor. PWG. HWA. IPW. 2CW. IWA Mid-South. Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, and it, uh, the championships that he's held as well in his career. Ring of Honor World Champion. Ring of Honor Pure Champion. TNA World Tag Team Championship. Number one contendership tournament 2010 winner. HWA Heavyweight Champion. HWA European Champion. HWA Tag Team Champion. And King of Europe Cup 2007 winner. His signature Marriott. London Dungeon. Tower of London. Artful Dodger. That's that's some nice British names. It's like the Shankly Gates, isn't it? Exactly. That, um, the, the, the person who would probably be most resembled to him nowadays, if you looked at it, probably Zach Gibson in that kind of style and look that he was. But then again, we're going to go into it today. And and the thing about Nigel McGuinness is we're going to look at if he was a great wrestler, as we know. And we're going to look at the person himself because not many wrestlers are as open as Nigel McGuinness. And like, we're going to have a lot of quotes today. And there is no Hollywood ending to the story. And that was Nigel McGuinness in the last of the McGuinness. Well, much like his life, the story of Nigel McGuinness is a fascinating one. So to do it justice, we split it up into chapters to make it easier to digest. And we start with his early life. Yeah, so the first chapter, early life. And London, England's Nigel McGuinness entered the world of professional wrestling in an unusual way for a British wrestler via the United States. In the mid-90s, McGuinness moved to the US to attend university, go to Kent State University in Ohio, graduating as a chemistry major in 1997. Well, living in the heart of the American Midwest Territory, he found Les Thatcher's legendary Heartland Wrestling Association, or HWA, in Cincinnati, and began training to become a pro, uh, to become a pro wrestler. Having grown up a fan of the British Bulldogs in the original Heart Foundation, he made his life his live debut in September of 1999 and became a star rookie with HWA. When his money ran out, he returned home to the UK and began working for All Star Wrestling in Liverpool, where he received extra training from UK legends Robbie Brookside, and like I said, now an NXT trainer, and Squire Dave Taylor. As he would save up money for two jobs, he would split time flying back to the US to wrestle as well. Hopes and dreams. Well, Nigel says he grew up in a village about an hour away from London. He tells the story of how he became a fan, and it was his friend got a copy of SummerSlam 1990. He remembers watching the show and loved the Hart Foundation demolition tag team match. Then SummerSlam 1992 came to Wembley, and he was able to... He was 15 at the time and had his face painted like the Ultimate Warrior. He remembers walking up to ringside and seeing Vince McMahon and Bobby Heenan. Well, he talks about for people in the UK and the United States saying that you see on TV... So seeing these guys he was used to seeing on TV every week was amazing. 
he got this feeling while he was at the show that he was going to be a successful pro wrestler, and he hung on to that dream to be in the WWE. Well, starting the climb, the London native made his mark on the independent scene alongside some of WWE's biggest superstars, including Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Cesaro, Samoa Joe, and his greatest rivalry, SmackDown Live general manager, Daniel Bryan. Well, a British punk with bleach blonde spike hair, McGuinness matches look with an in-ring style measuring traditional British grappling with a smash mouth strikes. His devastating rebound and lariat knocked his opposition for a loop and inspired an up-and-coming Dean Ambrose. McGuinness is widely considered to be one of the best competitors never to have a major run in WWE. Major run? Building a reputation. Well, in 2003, skills caught the attention of Ring of Honor and Nigel McGuinness found his home. With Ring of Honor, he became a force to be reckoned with a self-proclaimed punk rock soccer hooligan. Billy Idol meets Johnny Saint. After a slow start, he soon found himself infused with main event stars like Colt Cabana and Samoa Joe winning the Ring of Honor Pure Wrestling Championship in 2005. So, I have a DVD. We got it, weirdly enough, for Christmas. Uh, we got it in our uh, stocking from Santa Claus for being good boys. And it was the best of Nigel McGuinness in it to win it. The two DVD set. And what we're going to do now, we're going to pick a couple of matches to watch. But we're going to run through the matches first, Dan. Of course, these will be your choices to see what you want to watch. Up first, we had Nigel McGuinness versus Samoa Joe. Of course, Ring of Honor pure title match. We've got Buffalo Stampede from 15th of October 2005. This is Christopher Daniels in a Ring of Honor pure title match. you got the Weekend of Champions Night 1, Nigel McGuinness versus Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor pure title. we got Ring of Homicide. Nigel McGuinness versus Roderick Strong for the Ring of Honor Pure title match. Death Before Dishonor 4, Nigel McGuinness and Doug Williams versus Takeshi Morishmo and Chris Hero. This Means War 2. 2. Nigel McGuinness versus Takeshi Moshimura. Live in Tokyo, Nigel McGuinness versus Chris Hero versus Claudio Castanoli. Marufuji. I was going to say Claudio Castanoli is, of course, Cesaro now. We've got Man Up. Uh, Nigel McGuinness versus Jay Briscoe for the Ring of Honor World Title. Chaos at Cal Palace. Nigel McGuinness versus Austin Aries Ring of Honor World Title. Rising Above 2007. Nigel McGuinness versus Roderick Strong for the Ring of Honor World Title. Without Remorse. Nigel McGuinness versus Kevin Steen. Of course, Kevin Owens as he's known now for the World Title. We've got Nigel McGuinness versus Go Shizaki. We've got Respect is Earned. Nigel McGuinness versus Jerry Lynn. We've got Vendetta 2. 2. Nigel McGuinness versus Jimmy Jacobs. The Tokyo Summit. Nigel McGuinness versus Go Shizuka versus Kevin Steen versus El Generico. Of course, it's Sami Zayn now for the Ring of Honor World Title. The French Connection. Nigel McGuinness versus Jerry Lynn. Ring of Honor World Title match. Southern Hostility. Nigel McGuinness versus Namichi Faru. Ring of Honor World Title match. We've got Final Battle. Nigel McGuinness versus El Generico. For the Ring of Honor World title. Cage Collision. Nigel McGuinness versus Kenta for the Ring of Honor World title match. Of course, we've watched all these matches, uh, but we're going to pick one now. So we've got this one and this two. So we put one off this one and this two. So, Dan, what, what do you think your choice? You, I mean, there's a lot of names in there that people would know now on the roster, isn't there? You know? um, the one that stands out to me the most is the Tokyo Summit match for the Ring of Honor World title, the elimination match, and that's Nigel McGuinness versus Go Shizaki. Versus Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens versus El Generico, who is, what's his name? Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, yeah, that's Sammy it. Yeah, Sami I mean, you've got a lot of talent here, especially when you consider like, people like Christopher Daniels, Nicole Samoa Joe, uh, Jay Lethal, Roderick Strong, who's now in NXT as well. I mean, there is a plethora of choices on this DVD. 
Uh, I think my choice disc one is probably going to be, because I've heard really good things about this match. 29th of December, 2007, rising above for the Ring of Honor World Championship. It's the champion Nigel McGuinness going against Austin Aries. That looks like Seth Rollins. (laughs) Seth Rollins is Austin Aries. This is a match that kind of, when you talk about on the independent scene kind of breaking through, this is a match that many people hold in very high regard to show what Nigel McGuinness was all about. Now, as we start off this, Nigel McGuinness to the commentator, Dan, what are your thoughts on him and his look as you see him um, wrestling in this one? It's like a mid-90s or mid-80s, you know, 80s, 90s punk rocker, you know, with his bleach blonde, spiky hair. You know, I'm surprised he hasn't got a couple of nose piercings and earrings in the old ears and, you know, kind of going the full hog. But, you know, he has kind of got a unique look to what his character is, which is, you know, with what he's doing. Without a shadow of a doubt, we're going to see him in action. And, of course, then talk about his uh, career as well. But Austin Aries is a guy, I think, very much underrated. Never had a really for a crack at the whip, did he, in uh, WWE. But in Ring of Honor, of course, was known as the kind of... Um, the guy could definitely pull out great matches. And Nigel Starr, you know, we talk about British wrestling, we talk about Magnificent Seven, of course, that we've got on the WNR podcast. Nigel McGuinness would fit perfectly into that list today, as we're going to see for Nigel. You know, maybe he didn't have, like, the kind of bodybuilder look about him, but he was definitely in great shape, but it was just the kind of way he wrestled well, picking the leg as you do. Do you reckon something that also would have held him back in WWE is the fact that he is British? Because, I, you know, yeah. it's kind of commonly known that WWE doesn't like Brits. Yeah, well, they would have just treated him like maybe like a William Regal anyway, do you know what I mean? With uh, that, it's kind of maybe changed a little bit now when it, when it comes to English wrestlers, but there's definitely kind of, you know, when you, you don't get to Pete Dunne through William Regal, you have to go through Nigel McGuinness, if you know what I mean. That is who that person was in the middle of it, and we shouldn't forget about his um, the kind of talent. I suppose, you know, back in William Regal's day, it was all Brits have got a stiff upper lip. And that is kind of how they're portrayed, you know. We love the queen, we love tea, and, <laughs> you know, it is, you know, we'll have some cucumber and cheese sandwiches, kind of <laughs> <the> triangles. <clears throat> Honestly, you could tell me that was Seth Rollins, and I believe you. Well, Austin Aries definitely has got that look. Leech man just working the arm slowly but surely. Don't call me Shirley, but he's doing the right number on him. And Nigel McGuinness, he's quite a big fella as well, you know. I, I honestly wouldn't have had him down as someone that size, you know. He's got the size and the build of... A superstar. Well, this is another thing we're going to look at as well. It's, it's difficult because Aries is quite a small guy. But with McGuinness, if he'd come out now, nowadays, like you said, he'd more opportunity he would have in WWE. Fucking hell. Oh, my goodness. Jesus Christ. Well, Austin Aries just done a suicide dive as McGuinness was kind of buying time on the outside and sent McGuinness face first into Barry Cade right in front of the fans. And you literally saw, like, the brief moment before the blood kind of come out of a cut above his eyebrow, <laughs> you wondered and then he what just it was. literally wiped it, and it was just like pfft, blood. And now at the moment, Nigel McGuinness is in serious trouble. You can see with the strap on the left shoulder, and what you see with the amount of, uh, of you know people like Samoa Joe, they went hard every night. You know there was no back down for Nigel. He gave a hundred percent, and that's what's interesting when you hear about you know the WWE moment, and he hit just a back elbow there on Aries. Absolutely. Do you think? Nigel McGuinness is kind of running on autopilot at this moment in the match. You know, he's taken quite a, a solid knock to the head. Well, it is vicious. Like I said, he's, uh, 
equilibrium of all knocked off at this moment in time. And it is definitely... In. Well, I doubt. And the referee has just actually pointed out the equilibrium of Nigel. And now Nigel turning around. You can see the strikes as well. Where he's now targeting a bad arm. Obviously, that blood dripping down into your eyes is going to cause you a bit of blindness as well going through the match. And this match, you can see it's going to be like, you know, one of their matches that's going to develop into something good because it's kind of a slow burn. You know, they're, they're pacing themselves quite nicely throughout the beginning parts of this match. And then, you, you know, you can see it's going to build up a bit of steam. I don't know if the cut to the eye is going to kind of hold McGuinness back or anything. It's, you know, it's one of them ones that, had he not had the cut on his eye, could it have been a different match? Uh, do you know what? I was just thinking, this match is the perfect example of what Nigel Guinness actually is as well. And as we look at it, we're obviously going to see how kind of tough he is. But just imagine if circumstances were different. Like I said he got the injury early on and then he couldn't shake it. And this is the thing with Nigel, that he always went out there and kind of gave it his all and put his body on the line. And in the end, he come back to haunt him. It'd be interesting to see what happens. In a match, but you can always see the guy's tough. Like I said, this match is not going to be short, and he's really busted open, and he knows he's going to wrestle. He's really bandages up as well. Absolutely, yeah. And so you, know, you look at things like Ring of Honor in this time. You know, what's this? Nineties, late nineties, early two thousands. Two thousand seven. Two. Oh right, okay. <laughs> Mid to late two thousand. Um, but these are kind of, you know, you know that someone from WWE is going to be watching this. So this is kind of like an audition. So you know. They might not be in the crowd, you know, but they're going to have watched matches like this, you know, especially the talent scouts and things like that saying, well, oh, you know, look, that man has got a cut on his eye and yet he's still pulling out an absolute fucking cracker of a match. And you look at the talent WWE have hired, but you look at people like Enzo Moray given a chance, who weren't worth it at all. Uh, and Nigel missed out, whereas Ring of Honor kind of had, like you talk about Seth Rollins or, or anybody else that had to come through, CM Punk, Samoa Joe. Of course, Austin Aries actually got a chance at WWE as well. It's interesting what Ring of Honor can do. They're still going around, even though we've had stories recently of it kind of being in decline, you know. There's still a chance of future stars. I mean, a huge kick by Aries, and he follows up with just strikes to the face. <clears throat> Again, you know, you can, you can look at Austin Aries as well. And he has got an abundance of talent who wasn't used right in WWE. And the WWE now are stockpiling talent. Is it the right thing to do? Should they be able to go out and have success? Or does it really matter in the WWE? Do you have to be in the WWE to be considered successful? Used to, but now I don't think you have to. And especially with the amount of talent they've got, the amount of positions they have to fill. They're never going to do it, are they? So is it better off to have a successful career same Ring of Honor? Um, you're not going to get the exposure known as someone like Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, you know, and the like. But you're still going to have what everyone would deem to be a successful career. But isn't that a question of ego? Isn't that a difference between, like... You know, because if you're a good great wrestler like Nigel McGuinness, I don't bring Kenny Omega into it, but the people who haven't been in WWE, then all the hardcore wrestling fans, all the wrestling fans know who they are, and it's just the general public that's so going out in the street. So it's the kind of ego of the kind of wanting to have people know who you are, then, isn't it? As well as the case of being a great wrestler. It is that, but you know, a lot of people. If you're going into a football career, you want to play in the Premier League. That is your goal oh, and that yeah. is your dream and your ambition. And, you know, with WWE, you are in the Premier League. You know, with Ring of Honor, you're probably in the Championship. Or the Scottish Premiership, you know, somewhere low down. I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> as we see McGuinness just taking the punish on. And there he's oh. delivering it as well. And like I said, both men aren't holding back. Absolutely not, no. And, you know, Aries doesn't deliver a slap quite as uh, 
dominating as Walter, but McGuinness has just delivered a fucking lariat that's turned Aries inside out, and it's kind of got him hugging the bottom rope in like a sanctuary. Nigel McGuinness definitely got a cut that's going to require a few stitches. I mean, that is busted open. And McGuinness backing him up. There's going to be a huge uppercut. Upper what? Because even the style of McGuinness as well, kind of what he does with his moves. They talk about him, you know, someone like Volta versus Nigel McGuinness. It would just be epic of what they would give. You'd worry for Nigel McGuinness's life. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely, yeah. But, you know, he seems like he's in control of what he's taking. Yeah, I mean, he's tough. You know, don't get me wrong. I think he's always, he's always been tough. Is that, do you think he's tough because of his persona or he's got his persona because he's tough? I think it's a little bit of both, you know. I think maybe a little bit of reputation that way. I think one thing we're not going to be looking at on this podcast that maybe you could argue we should is the amount of injuries and, and stuff like this and the right medical treatment. Should he have actually carried on to wrestle as he did? Would WWE right to say, hang on a minute, you had this injury here and you think all the knocks and even that cut there, is he going to get proper attended to or is he going to be wrestling the next week? You know, and this is the the difference between nowadays WWE and wrestling back then as well. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, this is, especially, you know, at this moment in time, it's, you know, what, 2007, so all in light of the Chris Benoit thing. So it's kind of, you know, a big thing at the moment. You know, they're kind of still probably, uh, in WWE, they're still probably getting details on the Chris Benoit story and, you know, the wellness policies and things like that. So it's it's quite a big thing. No, that did change wrestling. You know, they they said after Eddie Guerrero they would do stuff, but with Benoit that changed. Did with, with and even like we say with nowadays suspensions and stuff like this, it's this still a thing that they're going to do. But Aries is in control of McGuinness, but it's a match where the person in control isn't dominating in control at the moment, which is what I like. You know, he's getting in a few moves. The Nigel McGuinness might get a slap in, and then he's getting a few moves, and then. You know, it's kind of going backwards and forwards in a nice, even flow. And as, you know, as the champion as well, he's pretty, you know, shown he's dominant. But like you said, the challenger has proven his worth in this match as well. Absolutely. But looking at these two guys, who would you think to go on, would go on to be the biggest star? Well, it's really, with Aries, he kind of has everything there. Let's talk about Seth Rollins. If they used him in that way, maybe it was the size that kind of let him down a little bit. Well, you know, as you were saying with Seth Rollins, I'd say he looks like the... Yeah, exactly. 205 Live Seth. And he's, he's fighting for the heavyweight championship here, so maybe he thought he'd get his chance. Don't get me wrong, he, he has been successful. You know, Impact Wrestling, he, he won the, the World Heavyweight title as well. So, again, it's a question of, has Aries had a successful career? Because maybe in WWE he didn't get to the main roster. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, if it wasn't Vince McMahon in control... Fucking hell. There we go. There's a Tower of London. <laughs> London. And it's like a, a draping cutter from the bottom rope on the outside onto them wafer-thin mats. And again, Ring of Honor's mats aren't up to WWE code. So the mats are, are, are like Rizzler paper. They are. They are tiny out there. I can see the punishment taken. Aries tried a suicide diving up court with a huge shot to the face. And, I mean, if you look at Nigel now, he does look like a, a beast, you know? It would be interesting. Absolutely, yeah. You know, this Nigel McGuinness in WWE, he'd probably go be, be in NXT UK. I mean, and he, would be, he could be dominant as well, you know? You talk about a, especially his style. The thing I like about Nigel so much is that he's got the kind of, both bits, he's got the kind of hard-hitting style that we all like, and then he's kind of, he can wrestle as well, so he can switch. He's not yeah. just like a kind of one-note 
type wrestler. Well, again, you know, you put him against a, a Pete Dunne, a Tyler Bay, and they would pull out a five-star mallet. I think anybody in Magnificent Seven against Nigel would, would have a fantastic match for him. I think that Nigel gave as much as he got as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, we talk about certain world champions in the past, and, and Nigel was given Aries everything in this match, win or lose, you know. But back to what I was saying, sorry about Aries, before he hit the Tower of London and absolutely obliterated him. It was, you know, if someone else was in charge of WWE and not Vince McMahon, I think Aries would have been given a lot more of a chance. Yeah. Well, yeah. But where, you know, Vince McMahon has got a one-track mind. It's worked for us in the past. It's going to work for us now. Damn it. We've got to have big wrestlers. And it's, you know, there's only kind of like a certain few, the Daniel Bryans that get through, that are smaller guys that, you know, actually kind of, take Vince's interest. Yeah, I think the only guy, really, who didn't really have to work, not work that hard, I think that's not right, but who kind of managed transition better than it was AJ Styles, when you think about that, and the position he was put in afterwards, kind of earned everybody trust, whereas you say, with all these other guys, kind of find it difficult. Well, again, with AJ Styles, his kind of reputation preceded him. So, you know, it's, you knew what you was getting with AJ Styles, like with Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega would fit in like a dream, you know, with WWE. But, I mean, about this match, though, I'd say what I really like about it, you talk about the selling of each man, you know, like those line, and because he had the bad shoulder, he had to wait a second to go for the cover. Aries gets out in the last second, which he thinks interesting, and as he goes up to finish him off with the Tower of London off the top turnbuckle, the bad shoulder again, Aries managing to work the bandage, trying to fight off the top, and now it's Nigel again, trying to go for that to move. Bang, hits it again, but this time it's from the top turnbuckles to the mat, and he might be able to get a cover in. One, two, no, Aries just managing to kick out. And again, you know, that delay in Nigel McGuinness not instantly getting in the cover was long enough for Aries to get his shoulder up. Yeah, Uh, and I truly believe McGuinness is an artist and the way he looks at wrestling as well, the way he kind of paints a picture, every little thing that he does uh, actually matters in this. You know, it's even like just Dave just touching those, he's thinking about what he's going to do next, you know, and all these kind of things. Yeah, they are telling an amazing story. It was kind of barely even. And then, like, you know, you get a finisher in. And, again, you know, Aries is not giving up. He's trying to do everything he can. And then you get the lunatic lariat attempt, which inspired Dean Ambrose. Austin Aries managed to fight out of it, sent McGuinness back into it for a second lunatic lariat. And Aries, you know, wise to it, caught him up on the ropes, hangs him up, and then just kind of drops his whole body weight across his neck. And sends him careering to the outside. And I don't know if these two men have got much left in the tank. They're kind of giving everything they've got. You know, what are you getting at this time in WWE? You've got The Undertaker and Michaels kind of things going on, in it? Batista, Kennedy, yeah. Punk. MVP. You know, and you've got this happening in Ring of Honor. And you're like, these two guys would have fit in absolutely brilliantly. But it's a matter of perception at the yeah. time. Because WWE had those guys and the kind of exposure... It showed that they were the best ones. But when you look at the actual talent, you look at people like Samoa Joe and all these lot as well who were in Ring World at the time. What was the better promotion? Who went on to have more success? Same thing with Impact. Look at all the guys that were in Impact, went over WWE, and now superstars because why? They're in WWE. And, that, and that's the interesting question. This is the thing. WWE, are they actually wrestling? Or is it just because they're kind of the biggest one? I mean, look at this strike set. This would never happen nowadays. Absolutely, yeah. Aries responding with her elbows to Nigel. You can see the impact. And you think about, you know, kind of unions and there's not been any allowed health care. You know, Nigel McGuinness, everything he picked up injury-wise and everything like that, 
had to pay for himself. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> well, McGuinness had him perched precariously on the top rope, launched himself with a lariat, took out Ares, who kind of backflipped his way to the outside of the ring and landed on the way for Finn Mats after hitting the edge of the ring apron on the way down. Well, that was a huge impact there. And again, I think, you know, the thing saving Aries from getting a pin, getting pinned in this match is the fact side. But I think it's going to hamper him now as Nigel McGuinness has got him against the barricade and hitting a couple of huge uppercuts. No, no, no. Nigel's going to take a run up. Oh, Aries up to his feet. A couple of standing exchanges. Oh, shit. It's kind of like a... A suplex come DDT and just pants McGuinness face first onto Barry Cade. Oh, that was a dangerous move that Ares did on McGuinness. And Ares recovered quite quickly from that move. He's going to go for the cover. Two. No. Just a two count. McGuinness managing to get his shoulder up right at the last second. Saying that he's down, but he's not quite out just yet. And again, he's showing the toughness. And now Ares going for the front face lock, pushing him away. There's no doubt Ares definitely fought it. Now will a strikes combination. Referee having to pull Aries back saying, look, you know, he's against the ropes, calm it down, and Aries is saying, look, I need to beat this man. Comes running in with a drop kick, and McGuinness looks like he's near enough down and out. Oh. Brain buster suplex. And as he set him up for the finish, I think the fans realise Nigel's in trouble. Aries for the 450. McGuinness with her knees up, though, but Nigel is so spent he can't quite capitalise on his advantage. And now Nigel just grabs the arm of Ares, bends it back. But Ares doing what he can, manages to roll McGuinness through into a pin attempt. But Nigel kicking out. Ah, uh, that looked the end there. And now Ares is going to look for another brain buster. Hits it in the middle of the ring into the horns of Ares. McGuinness doing his best not to tap. Well, his hand's going down, but... His foot's on the bottom rope. He wasn't tapping out, and Ares now just trying to seize it. You see the blood... On the leg of Ares where he's striking McGuinness's face. You can see the marks on each man. Now men exchanging slaps in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Neither of them able to stand using each other to keep themselves upright. McGuinness comes in, runs into a rolling elbow, goes back. Lunatic lariat, but Ares gets the better of him coming into it. Two. No. Oh, and even the kickouts oh. are brilliant at some point. As Ares again now looking to finish it. Was it the last chance for it in WWE, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. As Ares now with the knees. The knees have been so effective as well. We're working to open up that gash on McGuinness's face. And McGuinness, this might be the last of him as champion. They manage to turn Ares round. Pushes him off. <laughs> wow, McGuinness with a lariat to the back of Ares. inside out. Back to the arm submission. And he's got a submission, but I don't think Ares will submit as he kicks Nigel into the ropes. Bang! Oh, oh, oh. Clothesline from hell, Lariat. One, One two, two, three. <laughs> and you see how strong that finish was as well because Nigel, like two or three times in the match, I was going to hit it, uh, Aries had a counter. The one time he hit it, bang, got the job done, as, you know, as opposed to like the Tower of London. What <laughs> What are your thoughts on that match? Was it a good pick? Absolutely brilliant, yeah. It's, um, it's a great showcase of Nigel McGuinness, despite being injured, shows what, an absolute brilliant champion he was going through it you know someone that I could have definitely and happily accepted in WWE without a shadow of a doubt yeah brilliant brilliant match and Aries definitely brought it in that one as well Niger comes out the victor when in 2006 he began an epic feud with Brian Danielson who was the Ring of Honor World Champion two champions feuded for ages for a total unification match was announced where pure champion McGuinness would face world champion Danielson and whoever won would become the undisputed Ring of Honor World Champion 
McGuinness lost the match and the Pure Championship was deactivated. But in his 350-day reign, McGuinness became an indie superstar. This Brian Danielson looks familiar. Has he had some sort of a movement before? He has, he has had lots of movements. Well, this is for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championships. Nigel McGuinness versus Brian Danielson. Sixth anniversary show, 23rd of February, 2008 from New York, New York. And yeah, Brian Danielson, Dan, believe it or not, is CM Punk. Ah, yeah. I thought I recognised him. <clears throat> so these two men have had a battle for years. Championships are now in the probably biggest match of their feud fighting off. And of course, this is available on YouTube. And of course, we'll share the link as well on the WNR podcast. But Daniel Bryan, I mean, he's changed a lot over the years, hasn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, he's had long hair and a beard, being clean shaven. This is kind of like the Daniel, the Brian, the Daniel Bryan. I'm getting his name muddled up now. I'm going to be doing that throughout this whole match. Forgive me. Um, but certainly someone who has kind of evolved along with wrestling. I mean, you know, this could have been Nigel McGuinness in Daniel Bryan's place. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. I think you're right when you see that. I mean, Daniel Bryan, one of these guys, again, coming through Ring of Honor uh, in that way with Nigel McGuinness. And like we're going to talk about what happened uh, at that same time, them being both the elite level. You know, when you look at one, you looked at the other. Very much in WWE at the time, you maybe had like John Cena and uh, Randy Orton. I think with Ring of Honor, it was kind of Daniel Bryan and Nigel McGuinness. They thought like both these guys would definitely make the move up. I can't really, I don't know who it would be now comparable to. Like two guys definitely, like you see them in another promotion, you go, well, these two guys are definitely going to be in WWE. And unfortunately, kind of never worked out that way. But Daniel Bryan, did he overachieve in WWE, do you reckon? I, I don't know. I, I think his kind of love from the fans and admiration helped him to achieve something special in WWE. And I think, you know, it's not what it was. You know, I think he's kind of hit his peak and he's on the downward curve. You know, I'm not saying that that peak can't go up again because, you know, with Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson or whoever he may cast himself as nowadays... Would you want to see maybe Daniel Bryan? Because I know he signed his contract, but the next time it maybe come up, would you want to see him go back to the independent scene as Bryan Danielson and maybe have a run in AEW or something like that? Or do you think it's now done for Daniel Bryan? He's kind of... He'll never get that kind of opportunity again. I think, you know, opportunities... He could go into any promotion easily. You know, there's, there is no kind of limit he could do. Um... Would he achieve what he can do in AEW, in WWE? I don't know. Well, that was the thing. I don't know where he'd be treated more of a star. But I, I think you can see in this match, this is slightly different to, uh, of course, the Austin Aries one. Because you're going to see a lot more chemistry between these two. These two have been working back and forth, like we say, for a couple of years. So there's definitely an understanding between the two. There's no doubt they both leave it out there in the ring. You know, let's not understate that. They're not going easy on each other. But again, like Nigel against Daniel Bryan is someone that has suffered injuries throughout the years and it looked to be over him but he managed to come back. Would you maybe want to see a comeback for Nigel at some point? Just maybe one match in NXT UK if he was fit and healthy? Um, if there was to be a match, there's only one person it could be against and that's Daniel Bryan. Absolutely, yeah. Well, these two men put on an absolute clinic. There's no doubt this time as well that Daniel Bryan was considered kind of one of the best wrestlers, if not the best in the world. And Nigel McGuinness was only, you know, I think he got to six in the PWI 
uh, in one year. I think it was in 2008, 2009. And it shows you how highly regarded Nigel was as well. It wasn't just because, you know, he was, he's British or whatever it was. He was a truly great wrestler. I think a lot like the Magnificent Seven as well, wasn't it? It's not just because they're British. If you look at great wrestlers on the planet, Nigel McGuinness as well is definitely one of those. Without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. He's he is someone that you could see as being, you know, one of the first British WWE champions. I think without a doubt. I think that was his dream as well. And I think maybe it away him the fact that he couldn't get it, you know. But there's no doubt in, in ring the kind of talent was definitely there as well. You know, even like uh, bigger than Daniel Bryan as well. You talk about his kind of size and attributes. He's definitely got a lot more going to him then. Uh, Daniel Bryan has in that look, and especially the kind of spiked hair as well, might take a lot of people by surprise. But that's the kind of look he went for. Again, you know, you look at Seamus with his fucking ridiculous mohawk and his fucking jangly beard. I mean, it's a look that some people go for and they kind of run with it. Um, but, you know, with McGuinness, he's, you know, for him to be kind of, oh, what's it, like inspiring wrestlers like Dean Ambrose with the Lunatic Lariat. I mean, you know, Ambrose saw that and thought, fucking hell, that looks lush. And then he kind of, you know, he, he must have spoken to McGuinness about it and said, look, you know, I'm, would you mind if I kind of took this move on with honour? And, yeah. you know, it went for him. There's no doubt, especially these two at the time going through the independent scene, you know, not just working for Ring of Honour in that way, meeting people backstage, you know, definitely saying that is kind of, a lot of people have met him, especially because he's not, not as well known as maybe some, but I think a lot of the stuff that he does, a lot of people saw it and go, okay, we're going to use that because that's pretty good, you know, and maybe not people uh, know what it is, you know, whereas some other wrestling moves are kind of more for for certain wrestlers. With Nigel's, you know, when you see something like that, you go, that's that's pretty different. Oh, I'll take that. No one else using it. Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, it's a sect, but it's, it's also kind of taking advantage of someone who's kind of... Forced out due to yeah, can, certain reasons. And maybe can create better wrestling, you know, maybe come up with ideas and, and with moves and stuff like this, the kind of stuff they do. But again, you know, not taking the focus away from Nigel McGuinness, who this is, but you can see Daniel Bryan, he's he's already interacting with the fans and, you know, you can see him absorbing their cheers for him. And Nigel McGuinness is like, you know, oh, I'm going to fuck you, a lot of you, and, you know, it's... <laughs> It's definitely know who the face and who the heel was in this match, and it, it definitely plays off as well. Absolutely. And Nigel McGuinness doing his headstand in the corner. But again, that's the second time I've seen him do the headstand in the corner. <laughs> that's the second time I've eat, seen him eat a drop kick from it. Oh, don't bounce your head off of Barry Cade. No, Daniel Bryan with a suicide dive. <laughs> Luck enough sends McGuinness back first into the barricade, as opposed to gashing his head wide open. Brian looks to be going up to the top turnbuckle. Seated drop kick and a nip up from Brian. And he is just literally an extension away <laughs> from doing the yes, yes. He hasn't aged a bit by the looks of him in this one, especially he's going about it. And a stat, well, Brian managing to flip out of a back suplex and delivers one to McGuinness. And again, looking at McGuinness in this kind of. You know, he's holding the back of his head. He seems kind of visibly in pain. Is that like a red flag? You know, obviously knowing what he's gone through his career or is it just him saying, look, you know, well done. You got me in a good move. There's nothing to it, but he's just kind of milking it. I think when you're as good as worker as Nigel, and I think this applies to Daniel Bryan and maybe a few others, is you're never sure. You know, the selling of a move can be so good. Whereas a real injury, he's not sure really what's going on. 
especially with Nigel, you know, like I said, that the highest he ever was was when he was he's wrestling. Did he just cock the referee? He just does. <laughs> Daniel Bryan cannot believe it. And in Ring of Honor, is all about respect and honour. Nigel does that. And McGuinness has actually been disqualified from the match. The American Dragon, Brian Danielson. And the crowd's definitely pissed off by this as he tells the fans. Austin Aries coming out here with Kevin Steen and a couple of others telling Nigel to get back in. Would that be El Generico under the mask? Leave that song. It might be <coughs> delirious, but don't quote me on Well, he's just been given an ultimatum to get in the ring and finish this match or get your ass kicked and forfeit the title, basically. So he's back in the ring. Referee's still down and Brian is delivering a few chops. Oh, there's another official out here now. And maybe he'll tell the, uh, the unconscious official what's going on. The match is restarted. So now can Daniel Bryan take the advantage? <laughs> what a hill thing to do. Not only trying to get them disqualified and walk out, but even when you come back in the ring, you take down Daniel Bryan and you tell the fans to fuck off. Trying him shoulder first into the top turnbuckle. Ooh, sends him into the ring post second time round. Fuck the system. <laughs> well, Nigel doesn't mind being booed and hated. <laughs> Um, what what is it the fans are chanting? I can't quite hear. It's not that clear, James. Uh, well, it's fuck you, Nigel. And I think that's the biggest compliment you can get when you're working as a heel. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon we should start that chant next time we're at British Wrestling and Nigel McGuinness is on commentary? And he'll be like, oh, you guys. I can't do his voice. What would Nigel McGuinness sound like if he saw us saying that? Well, guys, thank you for taking me back to my Ring of Honor days. I appreciate what you're saying. And it is a big compliment. Something like that. Something like that, I suppose, yeah. And the fans aren't happy. And now Nigel just slapping around Daniel Bryan. I mean, the American dragon, Brian Danielson, is, you know, he's a big hero to these fans as well. Nigel McGuinness is so tough, doesn't need a nickname. Indeed. As he chokes Daniel Bryan out. Brian Danielson. Just call him Brian. Brian. Well, Brian Danielson, we like your name, but we want to change it. We want to change it to something that we can copyright. How's about, and stick with me on this one, Daniel Bryan. Oh, love it. Thank God Nigel McGuinness didn't get signed to WWE and have to change his name. It's McGuinness Nigel. Like, no, it's something like Paddy O'Clinty. You know, oh, we like McGuinness, so it's Irish. Nigel Doherty. Peter Doherty. I think that one's already taken. Oh, I see. Or is it free now? Is he dead? I don't know, but good thing. I don't care. So, nah. who, what does it matter? As Nigel now just literally... <laughs> Rubbing it in there with Daniel Bryan and the fans. His boot into the face. And now he's got the ring post. But he's got Daniel Bryan's arm wrapped around said ring post. <clears throat> he's not wrestling the ring post now. Oh, and he just wraps Bryan's arm around the ring post. And Nigel's not taking a lot of punishment in this match. Absolutely not. But I think, you know, this is this is one that's kind of... Even, you know, here in Ring of Honor, this is kind of how Daniel Bryan works. He absorbs and absorbs and absorbs punishment. Gets, you know, kind of hit by dastardly things as well. And then comes back with the fighting spirit and gets the victory. Which makes it completely different to the last match we watched as well. Because that was a, a case of a back and forth between champ and challenger. Well, this is Nigel McGuinness. And I think in his eyes, you know, in his mind as well, that to get disqualified, Jay yeah, saying forget about the fans. But maybe he thinks to himself he can't beat Brian Daniels. So maybe he can't get the job done. It's all well and good. But like you said, you know the fight and the determination... You're probably not going to get the man to submit. And Nigel might be enjoying himself, but it's what's coming. There's a storm coming. Storm Kara. Kira. Sinkara. Yeah, I think that's... It's going to battle the south coast. Is it? Yeah. That's a shame. 
Southeast. So that's what he's done since leaving WWE then. Sink it. And now McGuinness just rocking Brian with a huge shot. Brings him up for a second huge European uppercut. But I quite like Nigel's trunks in this look anyway. I think, that you know, even the British flag, a little bit of representation, of course. About the, the black as well, showing he's a little bit different. He's going to go for the uppercut again. No, gets caught. Looking for the lariat. That gets blocked as well. And Brian coming in with a huge kick. Then he takes Nigel's head off. This is like a really British match, isn't it? Brian versus Nigel. The winner gets a cup of tea and a biscuit. Some crumpets. Maybe a scone. Scone. Scone on a pole match will be the next one. <laughs> That's the fastest cake in the world, isn't it? What? Scone. Oh, God. And now with a kick to the back of Nigel. He's definitely getting back into this one, trying to seize momentum. He's kind of trying to absorb a, a, a movement of some sorts. Yeah, at the moment, what he's doing, Alasha Michaels. Alasha Michaels. Alasha Michaels. And Nigel McGuinness sent to the outside. And he's coming back with a huge kick to the back of McGuinness. Brian grabbing them spiky blonde locks of McGuinness, bringing him back into the ring, but the hard way. And now Brian trying to suplex him in, but Nigel holding on. Oh, shit. Well, McGuinness managed to turn it around, and you don't normally see that executed at all. But I think Brian was intending to land on his feet. I think the momentum took him over a bit too much. <clears throat> and again, Nigel McGuinness still disrespecting the fans, even though he's dishing out a bit of an ass whooping to Daniel Bryan, calling the fans fruitcakes and flipping them off. Here comes Nigel. Fucking hell, sent Brian through Barry Cade with a running uppercut. Getting abused by the fans, and he's saying, ah, oh, fuck you too. Oh. And a huge chop there by McGuinness onto Brian. Well, he's been mocking and taunting Brian until he reversed an Irish whip. Sends McGuinness back first into Barricade. And it's not got the protection of a WWE Barricade. He's just still there. Now Brian trying to throw McGuinness. <laughs> Jesus Christ, when Brian was trying to throw McGuinness back into the ring, he kind of done a U-turn to prevent it. So Brian threw him over Barricade and into the laps of the fans. <laughs> and that is a bit of fan interaction That'd there That would be awesome, you. yeah. When we, oh, Nigel McGuinness jumped over my shoulder. And Daniel Bryan springboards, throws himself into McGuinness. Shit. Well, we definitely knew we'd see some good wrestling on today's podcast. There's Bryan there. He doesn't do that anymore. Absolutely not. Now Daniel Bryan looking for his chance to become two-time, two-time Ring of Honor champion. Now Bryan perched on top, waiting for McGuinness to get up to his feet. Gets caught, though. Daniel Bryan with a triangle. Can he make McGuinness pass out? And Nigel again, his hands moving, but not a match. He don't manages to escape. Looking for that lariat. I mean, that is on point. You talk about kind of close on for me or anything. But Nigel McGuinness with a lariat like he does. It's kind of he, the way he, he twists his arms. So he, he definitely gets you. You know, <laughs> like it feels like he's going to get you from the ear to the the, the other ear. <laughs> Absolutely. Ear. I think where he's kind of been spent for your fear of. Gone straight into the cover. He might have got the victory, but you can see Brian's going to kick out oh. as he does. And now Nigel's setting Brian up in that top turnbuckle. He's looking for to finish things off. Now Brian managing to block it on the second. Sends McGuinness out of the ring. Brian crawling back in himself. Oh, and here comes Daniel. Brian's going to go fly. Oh, <laughs> no. He gets caught with a huge uppercut from McGuinness. Tower of London to the outside. We saw this on Aries. Oh, and just drives Daniel Bryan down. And it's McGuinness used in the ring as a weapon as well. Knowing his uh, surroundings. And managed to use that right. We've seen him use it twice now. Managed to take advantage of people diving up. But unfortunately, I think, I think Nigel above his left eye this time. 
And he goes in for the cover, but again, I think it's taking too long. Yeah, Brian with a shoulder up at two. Two. So, second match, and again, he's busted wide open. <laughs> and he's looking for Brian's move. Captain. And will Brian tap with this? Then again, if there's one man that knows how to get out of this, it's surely... Don't call me Shirley. It's Daniel Bryan. Well, Brian's managing to turn it round. McGuinness has got blood just pissing off his face. Well, Brian manages to get into a cover. It makes McGuinness relinquish the hold. Now here comes Nigel. We're going to look for maybe this lariat. Now the jawbreaker lariat, he calls it. But Brian looking for a running knee after he ducks the lariat attempt. And now he's seen McGuinness <laughs> do this to Austin Aries. And it fucked him up. We go with Brian as well. Oh my God, Brian. This could be the end of it all. Oh. oh, this time sends him back into the ring, though. And in perfect position. We're going to set him up. Tower of London. Hits it. Into the cover. One, One two. two. No. Brian managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And McGuinness getting frustrated. And now we know what's going to come next with Nigel working through it. Grabs the arm of Brian. And he absolutely loves his submission. He's got it in. But we know how tough Brian is. There's Nigel's face just covered in crimson mask again. Can Brian hold on? Looks like he's going to submit. No, he's going to try and escape it instead. He gets his the tips of his toes to the bottom rope. Referee forced to break it up. But Nigel again straight back to the arm. Brian, Brian. rolls him through. Oh, rolls him through into a pinning predicament. Only the two count. Two. Now both men slowly get to their feet. Here comes Nigel clothesline. No, Brian ducks it. Oh. Rolls him into a German suplex. Well, that might have just been the last bit of energy that Daniel Bryan had. Or Daniel Bryan's Brian Danielson. Oh. Daniel Bryan trying to punch Nigel McGuinness in the stomach, but I don't think it's affecting him at all. Well, Brian thinking if you break the body, the head will go, but Nigel just too tough, too quick. Trying to take Brian's head off. He sidesteps and in charging Brian. And McGuinness is placed on a top turnbuckle. And now going all the way up with McGuinness. McGuinness fighting for his life. Punching Brian in the head. It's precarious position. Super back suplex. And when you consider the injuries both of these man, men have had in their career, it makes it this somewhat difficult viewing sometimes when you look at the risks of what they're doing. Nigel did get the shoulder up, but Brian now looking for the cattle. Mutilation. Nigel in serious trouble. Trying to do all he can to escape it. I don't know how long he's going to be able to hold on for, though. He's trying not to tap. Manages to roll it through. Uh-oh, now the elbows. Brian's got him in precarious position. Well, it's a tiger suplex. Still couldn't get the job done. And Brian, not going for the head, just going to work the body. Elbows to the ribs. A disarmer. Well, he's got the arm. And Nigel's in serious trouble trying to struggle to get to that bottom rope. Into the triangle. Beautiful transitioning from Brian. Oh, just when Nigel thought he was out of trouble, he walked right into it. Brian, though, will not go for the head, as he said. Those elbows have been lethal for Nigel McGuinness. And Nigel just might be passing out. He's going to check the arm. Uh, keeps it upright and firm. Well, the fans don't like it, but he's still in this. The arm drops once. The arm drops twice. Third time and he's out. No, McGuinness managing to fight back into it. And even with the finger saying, no, I'm not done just yet, into the ropes. And I don't know how McGuinness managed to escape <laughs> not being able to, not submitting then. And it's a world championship and a company both of these men have built. And now they get in a position where they're fighting for the greatest championship they can. And Brian, once Nigel counted down, the referee counts to eight and Nigel managed to get to his feet. And now Brian just right back into it. 
Well, he's, Brian's working a body, but a headbutt from Nigel kind of stops his momentum. Well, Nigel with a headbutt. He's going to go for it again. Well, for the second time with a headbutt, Brian Corkman with a kick. But Brian just smashing his head uh, against McGuinness's and coming off second best. And Brian's had a bad eye. The referee checking now. McGuinness really doesn't seem to care about being stopped in this match. He wants to carry on and continue pushing Brian. Well, this match is pretty much everything. Of course, we saw the referee get knocked out earlier. And then Nigel busted open. And now Brian might get a stoppage here. Here comes Nigel now, head of steam. Oh! Turns Brian inside out with that huge lariat. And Nigel's got hold of Brian now with the elbows. And again, using Brian's move against him. Well, Brian said with agreement with Nigel, we wouldn't use these in a match. And Nigel's doing it himself. Bad eye. Now, got the armour. Brian. Cinches it in deep. Brian's not moving. Brian might be out. And he And that is it. And I mean, Nigel McGuinness said, we talk about a different style of match. He looked like a killer in this one. Absolutely fucking brutal. I mean, you know, he's certainly playing the hill part really well in this against, you know, the... The idol, the the fans' favourite, Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson or the American Dragon or whatever you want to call him as, and yeah, absolutely brilliant. Without a shadow of a doubt, like I said, something completely different to what we saw in the last match as well. Well, another encounter between the two took place at Ring of Honor's Unified. It was another unification event bout, hence the show's title. What helps the match stand out most is it's the only one on this list to take place in the United Kingdom by Ring of Honor's foray into Liverpool in August 2006. Ring of Honor pure champion McGuinness would eventually lose on home soil, meaning Ring of Honor world champion Danielson left with both belts in his possession. Much like many classic Ring of Honor main events, it wasn't necessarily the end result that this one would be judged on by fans. Putting over the warrior spirit of his peer, Danielson beat McGuinness unconscious with brutal elbows at the end of the match. That makes for a sterling visual and a unified collision between the pairs, perhaps even better than prior clashes they worked in Ring of Honor. There's a special feel to the match, mainly down to the rowdy crowd and unique atmosphere that wouldn't have counted for nothing if the action hadn't been strong once the bell rang. But it most definitely was. Yeah, and I found a Vimeo link to that. Uh, so we'll post that alongside, of course, the Daniel Bryan versus um, Nigel McGuinness match that we've already seen. Well, he moved on to fuse with Jimmy Rave and Chris Hero, clawing his way to the top once again to defeat in Takahishi Murahashi for the Ring of Honor World Championship in 2007. He would go on to face some of the best in the Indies' names who would have a legendary careers in the independents and become W superstars, not only keeping up, but in some cases leading the pack. He had classic matches against the likes of El Generico, who you know as Sami Zayn, Jerry Lynn, Kevin Steen or Owens, Tyler Black, Rollins and much more. And much like most of his peers, by the end of the 2000s WWE contract, he was scheduled to start at the same time as arguably his greatest rival in Ring of Honor, Brian Danielson. Right, so before we get to that, let's watch our last match on the DVD. And it is a great DVD, it's jam-packed full of great matches. What is the last one, Dan? The last one is Ring of Honor World Champion Nigel McGuinness versus Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion El Generico, who is Sami Zayn, versus Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion Kevin Steen versus Go Shizaki. And it is at the French Connection in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And, you know, I feel sorry for Go because he doesn't have a title to his name. No, and what's interesting as well, of course, this is the hometown of both Kevin Steen, who is Kevin Owens now, and El Generico, who is Sami Zane, so this will be your pick to watch. This will be very, very interesting 
as Kevin Owens in there. I mean, does that sort of does that suit him that outfit? When we talk about Kevin Owens now to this, I mean, he looks like Colt Cabana. He's wearing a singlet at this moment in time. Yeah, it's not that that flattering, I should say. No, I do prefer his kind of like boxing style shorts and his uh, t-shirt. But Steen nipping up and working well. He looks really different without a beard as well. <laughs> I know he's only got a little bit of stubble and a slight beard, but that makes all the difference. Well, Shiozaki definitely, um, definitely got a look about say. Let's uh, let's be fair to him. It's not maybe traditional look. Quite a big guy as well. And see Kevin Steen. Obviously, Steen talking to the fans in his hometown. It seems like a quite a small enclosure of an arena. It's crazy when you think about these guys, you know, form in front of thousands or whatever it is, and now here against hundreds. It is the difference in wrestling, isn't it? You know, even with people like uh, you see in Sitborn as well, perform in front of like what seventy people, sixty people, and then it's it's just crazy. So if you looked at these four guys, Dan, and you thought to yourself, at least four who would be a future star in WWE and champion and Universal champ, would it be Kevin? Um... I think he'd probably be second, maybe third on the list. I think, you know, uh, El Generico. It's like, what's the Canadian doing in a mask? <laughs> that would be my first question. Um, go, Shizaki, Suzuki, Shiz, Shiz, go Shizaki. I mean, he, he looks in quite good shape, but he doesn't seem to be able to match up to bigger fellas. I think Nigel McGuinness would be top of my list for people most likely to succeed yeah and you can see him in the corner not participated yet but does um have a shiner to show for his troubles even though he's not participated is kevin steen with the takedown well i don't know with kevin steen you can already see like his personality coming through you know he's someone that loves to talk here comes el generico calls these two tag team champions at this moment in time which might give him an advantage in this match or win it when it comes to uh, when they're coming to head. And Generico already getting the uh, Ole chance as well that he kind of brought to WWE with him. And what a great work Sami Zayn is. And again, someone maybe not in WWE that he truly deserves. Because in NXT, that's a perfect way to use him. And I think he's a fantastic heel as well. You know, Nigel McGuinness, we've seen him mostly as a heel and not a face. You know, Kevin Owens is a guy that maybe played both quite well. And the same with Sami Zayn. Absolutely. Um... Ditching the mask, is that a good thing for Sami Zayn? I think it worked out well for him in the end, didn't it? You know, I think when you look at it, I mean, this was a kind of gimmick that had a shelf life to it. Like I said, you know, El Ligero's the prime example in the UK of a guy who's going around as that. And that's a great thing, but it can only go certain level, I feel. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Nigel Beginner just laughing on the apron at this moment in time. Well, you know, him being the uh, Ring of Honor World Champion, he's kind of like the wisest one in this match. He's staying outside, he's keeping himself out of it, letting the other three guys wear themselves down. And I'm sure the only way he'd be coming in is through a slot of his opponents. Well, Shizaki then gets caught, goes back to the corner. And, I mean, he's no um, Alex Wright, but you can definitely see something with El Generico there. Absolutely. <laughs> you dirty boy. No, no, I swear to God. Wait to get another shot. Saying that, though, Nigel is um, not resting. As he gets the tag in now. And it's elimination rules. So Nigel doesn't have to bother if he doesn't need to. As Kevin Steen gets the tag. As McGuinness makes his way over to the corner. Trying to buy himself a little bit of time. It's going to be weird next time I see Nigel McGuinness announcing. Because I've got used to him as a wrestler now. If you know what I mean again. Yeah. I think it's like definitely shout out. And please, you know, even if you've only been listening to this. Even if it's just one match. Go and check Nigel McGuinness out. It's definitely worth it. It's, it's... Absolutely, yeah. And uh, we've seen Nigel McGuinness playing a perfect heel. Sami Zayn or El Generico has tagged Kevin Steen Owens in. And, um, you know, every time Kevin goes towards 
McGuinness, he kind of ducks in between the ropes saying, nope, I want to wrestle you, Generico. And he's calling him a chicken, eventually goading him into the match. So do you think he sees uh, Generico as the weaker link of the two? I think without a doubt, I think with Nigel, he thinks about somebody who can manoeuvre around and maybe out-wrestle. And Generico is definitely in that size. We've seen him be successful over smaller guys. Yeah, Austin Aries, Brian, Brian Danielson. Was it Daniel Brian Danielson? <laughs> Daniel Brian Danielson. There well, comes Sammy El Generico Zane. Lovely Brit wrestling escape there. Like a reverse snapmare takedown there by Nigel. Just controlling the neck. And every, everything Nigel does well has got a reason for it. Every little thing, even taking a leg down there with a move and getting him down. Yeah, you know, working on the arm, it sets him up for his finisher. And he's one of those few hills as well. He, he talks trash, but he usually does it whilst he's beating up the opponent and definitely in control, not kind of open up the door. Do you know what I mean? It, Nigel McGuinness doesn't make many mistakes, there's no doubt. Apart from... Oh, no! Oh, hey! I thought it was going to be like the Ric Flair top rope bump. He actually managed in hitting a drop kick, but there's a bit of a mistake there he made. He kind of got a bit cocky, turned towards the fans, and at that point, Generico tagged in Steen and kind of got McGuinness from behind. And McGuinness, again, ducking between the ropes, begging off, saying, no, I don't want to... I don't want to face you, Steen. Or is he going to... Oh. He's tagged in Generico, so tag team partners have got to face off against each other now. And it is legal in this match. So it's elimination. Or well, best friends, but with a well-taught opportunity. And they're going to say, let's just go for it. <laughs> and now Generico mocking Nigel McGuinness in the corner. And Steen saying he can do it. Well, looking for the uh, Larry attempt. And they're using the Larry attempt to mock Nigel McGuinness. So he's shown he can do that move. Generico showing that he can jump in the corner. <laughs> that is classic Nigel looking for the tag drops down off the apron and just gives him the uh, the fuck you oh and now he pushes Steen into Generico Steen realises who does it but Generico doesn't and now he thinks his friend's hit from behind <laughs> is this a bit of intelligence from McGuinness t- trying to turn best friends against each other I think it is Generico wasn't paying attention and McGuinness made it count well I think that was suckering everyone in Knocks McGuinness and uh, Green Apron. Now, Jill Suicide dives. <laughs> I was more impressed by Kevin Owens sailing over the top rope than uh, Generico. Well, both men hit the target beautifully. And in their hometown, they're definitely loved here. Go Montreal. There's Generico tagging in. Um, go in to go for Steven, uh, Steens, even. So, would you like to see these two guys teaming up as a tag team properly, going for gold and such? Oh, I think with uh, Zayn and Owens, I think we've seen a bit too much of that on the main roster. I would have wanted to see a bit more individuality, you know what I mean? Would you prefer them as a team or individuals? Um, I think they've worked really well as a team. Um, you know, they've got a couple of good, unique moves there. We just see uh, a couple of uh, sent on, but Generico was on the back of Steen, and like both men dropped on to go then, and that was quite impressive. That's exactly what they're doing, turning into a tag team match. But Nigel's got no interest in getting a hot tag. Absolutely not. No, he's happy to see his opponent get eliminated. Wow, like a nice front flip leg drop there from Steen. Certainly moving about a lot more agile now than he does. And Nigel there trying to creep in. Generico had it scouted, though, watching his friend's back. The referee ushers Generico out, throws Steen into the ring post, shoulder first. The referee's back's turned, but this is genius from McGuinness because he don't want to be left in a 2-1 situation. Situation. With... uh, the tag team champions and then he knows they're going to be in serious trouble 
he'd rather switch it. Referee's not sure what's going on now. Referee's accepting it. And Shizaki just clubbing the back of the head of Steen, throws him into barricade. As referee finally gets control over uh, El Generico after seeing his friend getting mercil- mercilessly beaten up. Running uppercut towards Steen, who was back first against Barry Cade. We told the crowd he was the best wrestler in the world. And uh, I wouldn't argue against Nigel as he throws him in to try and get rid of Steen. Only a two. Kevin Owen looks a bit beaten down at the moment. I think he desperately needs a tag to Generico. It's interesting to see a match with no American in sight as well, really. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think the referee's American. He looks slightly, he looks slightly American, yeah. Managing to escape the head scissors by getting his feet to the bottom rope. And McGuinness there uh, trying to get cheap digs in. Did the referee say hey or a? Hey? Because we'll know if he's Canadian or not then, won't we? He might actually be Canadian. We'll see when he counts. A one, a. Hey. Can you please break it up? Sorry, eh? <laughs> Turn the lights off, see if you get scared. Steen's been in a while now. McGuinness looking to come in. Finish him off working the arm. And McGuinness again seeing a target working towards his end goal, which is obviously going to try and make Steen submit to his armbar submission. And one thing about Nigel that we've, uh, I've definitely noticed, he enjoys hurting people to be in that position to actually cause a little bit of pain. Absolutely. Well, in McGuinness's case, it's quite a lot of pain. He just wants to teach him a lesson. The way he's bent Steen's arm around his back. Applying the pressure to himself. Steen managing to escape, but only to a kick in the head. Puts him back down onto the mat. As Go gets the tag back in. I think Owens was ready for a tag, but Generico looked like he was uh, interacting with the fans for a little moment there. Well, Steen and uh, Shizaki just exchanging chops. I think Go got the better of that one. Absolutely, as he stood on Steen. Goed into the Canadian fans, eh? Super kick. Just perched up in the corner. I think he's down and out. Pinfall, no, just a two count. Two. Generico desperately trying to get the hot tag in. Steen trying to respond with the knife edge chops, but only managing to get one in before being dropped back to his backside again. Well, you can see the sweat dripping off both men. As Steen now... Shizaki sending Steen back first into the turnbuckles. Then a back suplex. Only a two count. Two. So whoever gets the first pin, their team... Well, it's, it's not so much teams, but... It is, in yeah. a way. Like, you know, you've got the kind of two hometown hero faces and you've got the two out of town of hills. And, uh, but whoever gets the first pinfall victory, they're obviously going to have an advantage over the other team. But back suplex, Steen bounces straight up to his feet, turns go inside out and drops him on his head. Both desperate for a tag. Steen tags in Generico, who's perched on the top. Huge crossbody. Generico with a... Well, he gets popped up by Go and hits a drop kick from it. He's come in and he's been on fire, baby. And he was on fire until he got kicked in the face. Generico elbow kick and a springboard Hurricane Rana to... No, no. just a two count. Two. You see McGuinness definitely worried there as well. As Generico goes all the way up. Hits a splash to... No, only a two count. Two. Well, McGuinness managing to come in, but gets taken out again by Steen. It seems like Generico is wrestling like a generic wrestler. <laughs> I don't know if that's part of his name slash gimmick. Mexican wrestler now is looking to put away. Shizaki is outside. Steen gets sent into barricade. <clears throat> well, Generico catches a super kick attempt. On a blue, blue thunderbomb. Thunder to... Oh. No, just a two count. Two. 
And McGuinness has got the better of Stain on the outside. Exactly showing how tough he is that Generico can't put him down. Knuckle lock as uh, Generico's slapping the chest into a swinging tornado DDT but gets caught and then powers Generico up. Jesus Christ. We didn't go straight to the cover that might have cost him. Two. No. Well, it did cost him in the end just a two count before Generico managed to kick out. Oh. Two. And she's actually now looking to put Generico away. He might not know where he is. Oh. And a hell of a kick that was. Was it a hell of a kick? Trying to pick him up, but Nigel in. Kick behind. Fucking hell. And a splash by Go. Three. Eliminates Generico. So the fans aren't happy. Generico's gone thanks to Nigel McGuinness. And now it's going to be... Is it going to be a two-on-one situation here, Dan? Situation? Well, I believe so. But I don't know how long uh, Nigel McGuinness is going to remain friends with Go. Well, that's the good thing about Nigel. You never never can quite trust him. He's got that look in his eyes. And now two-on-one. Steam realises his friend and his tag team partner and champion's gone. Oh, <laughs> Well, Kevin spits at McGuinness and slaps Giyosaki. Go, Saki. <laughs> and now Steve in the back elbow to Nigel. Nigel, can't even say his name right, let alone Giyosaki. Steve, nice drop kick. Giyosaki there. Plants Steen face... Uh, sorry, McGuinness plants Steen face first into the mat. Giyosaki with a cover. Only a two count. Two. So this is your choice, Dan. And uh, what's the reason is behind picking it and... It's been different to every match we've seen so far. Well, I just think with the depth of talent, you know, it's it's good seeing a, a Nigel McGuinness, but seeing what he can do against current WWE superstars as well, especially one as hot as Kevin Steen Owens. Without a doubt, Nigel McGuinness has been there and faced just about everybody. I mean, there's the clips around that you can see him fighting Seth Rollins, look all Samojo as well. As Steen takes Shizaki off the top rope, go responds with a huge strike. Shizaki looking for a superplex. Oh, Steen hit that mat into the cover. Two. No, Steen with a kick out. Ah, and this is showing more the intelligence of Nigel McGuinness, hasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. You know, he's uh, stuck on the outside, always gone for the smaller of the two between Steen and Generico. <clears throat> and he certainly is the most freshest in this match, regardless of who he might have to face in the final two. Steen and Shizaki... Trading blows in the middle of the ring. Steen goes low. Pop up. Powerbomb. Doesn't go straight into the cover though. That could hamper him. Instead chooses to go up top. Shizaki's still down. But McGuinness trying to set him up for a Tower of London. Oh no. my God. And I tell you what, that barricade has not been friendly with McGuinness. Absolutely not. If he's cut open again, <laughs> something's up. And Steen now has got Shizaki maybe trying to put him in a sharpshooter in Canada, eh? Well, it's 25% more effective when it's put on in Canada. And another 25 more percent effective when put on by a Canadian. Exactly. Great point there. Shizaki goes to the knee but missed. And at the moment, this is a oh. handicap match. Well, Steen's holding his own as McGuinness tried crawling into the ring. Steen kicked that middle rope and it went straight into the uh, Tower of London of McGuinness. <laughs> and now the sharpshoot is in with Steen. And... Oh, Go taps. Shizaki had no choice there. 50% more effective. That's what I'm saying. It's a really, really painful move. And now we've got one on one. And I'm sure Kevin Steen was clean shaven going into this match. <laughs> he seems to have a bit of a beard going on. Well, this match has gone on. And now we've got down to the final two competitors. Two. And McGuinness has not won any part of Steen in this match. 
another story told in this. I think out of all of you know the, the the people in the match, Sting was the one he didn't want to be left with. Now can he try and pick the bows? Like I said, the fresher of the two. Uh, running uppercut to Steen in the corner. But Steen ducks a close-on attempt. Cannonball! <laughs> That's why I want to see this match. And takes out Nigel. One, two, no, oh, just a two count. Two. But I think this is the difference between an indie wrestler and a developmental wrestler. In NXT, you kind of see the character and the work. Whereas with Kevin Steen in this, he's kind of a complete wrestler at the moment. You know what I mean? Like I said... The stuff he does now is still the same. Like everything is still there. It's just a little bit of changing rather than completely learning how to, to wrestle. You know, Steen is fantastic. Oh, well, not that fantastic because he just missed a shooting star press. A moonsault. A moonsault is what I was aiming for. <laughs> That's what Steen was aiming for. I, I, I missed as for. much as Steen. Yeah. <laughs> now he's in trouble with me. <clears throat> if he hits a stunner now, yes. I'm going to be yeah. fucking through the roof. Well, Steen in his hometown. And you've got more of a percentage chance of escaping a figure four if you're Canadian and it's put on you by someone who's non-Canadian in Canada. A sharpshoot. That's what I meant. You know what I meant. <laughs> Stop being uh, stupid. Oh, wait a minute. Steen's got Nigel up. Neckbreaker. Two. No. Just a two count. Two. Well, you can see there, Nigel, he's wary of his surroundings. And I think at that time, he's just getting a little bit of a breath back. In the cover, and Steen now. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Looking for the sharpshooter. But McGuinness didn't want any of that. Right to the eyes. And he means necessary anyway. He doesn't mind his disqualification if he gets involved with referee. Well, jawbreaker. McGuinness looking for the lunatic lariat, but gets caught straight into the sharpshooter. Well, we've seen, we've seen McGuinness... In some serious trouble here tonight. Not with the cattle mutilation. The uh, Austin Aries submission as well. And now we're seeing it again with a sharpshooter. He's a man who can take a lot. As he managed to get to the ropes. And he goes to the outside. And we've got a 20 count to deal with his steam now. Going up top. McGuinness up onto the apron though. Looking for a Tower of London. This time it's successful. On the hardest part of the ring. Rolls Owens back in. One. Two. No. no. Well, somehow Steen, still in this match, gets shot up at two. Two. And as we see with Nigel, he's not put off when he can't put someone away because he knows he's going to use the clothesline. Places Steen on the top turnbuckle, looking for a Tower of London in the ring. I think Steen realises this is his last chance. Well, manages to escape it. Pushes McGuinness into the referee. And now what's McGuinness looking for? His championship belt. And he's going to use it at Tower of London. No, Generico's in. A hell of a kick in the corner. <laughs> And now what can Steen do to capitalise? Package pile driver. Hits it. Steen with a cover. One, two, oh. no. No. Well, he, he got the free three. count. But the referee noticed that <laughs> McGuinness had his foot on the bottom rope. <laughs> Steen's joy turns into despair. We've seen every classic way a champion can continue his reign as well. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Walking out trying to get DQ'd. <laughs> foot on the bottom rope. Escape by any means necessary. Uh oh, but this could be it for Nigel. This could be the end of his run. Bullfrog splash. Steen's going up. Sent on. Nothing but knees. Knees up for McGuinness. Knees up, man. <laughs> and now Nigel has got Steen and he looks to be smirking. No, James. He hasn't got a cigarette in his guard, but he is laughing his arse off. It's a lunatic. Lariat hits Owens, folds him up. One, two, three. Wow. 
And that gives McGuinness the victory. Well, McGuinness went for the sharpshooter, Steam managing to push him off. And like I said, into the finish there. McGuinness looked... What do you think of the couple of matches that we've watched so far on the DVD? Absolutely. McGuinness, you know, he has been absolutely phenomenal throughout it. That lunatic lariat, absolutely fucking brilliant. And I'd like to know, you know, it's good to see where Dean Ambrose got it from. And that he originated with Nigel McGuinness, who absolutely used it as a fucking monster of a finisher. Yeah, fantastic stuff. So we move on to the next chapter, Touching the Holy Grail. Well, things went sour quickly when McGuinness completed his medical screening before reporting to developmental. Some health concerns showed up and WWE withdrew their contract offer. Of course, Danielson went through and started the Yes movement and the rest is history. Nigel's frustration was more with WWE as he felt they unfairly rescinded their developmental contract offer to him in October uh, 2009. After a disagreement between his own and their company doctors, who have their final say on whether someone is medically fit enough to be hired? Well, instead of trying to hide the history of bicep injuries caused from using a stiff lariat as one of his finishers, it was an upfront about it, passing on all of his medical records to WWE, which related to uh, him rehabbing them without surgery. However, that bit him in the arse, as when WWE doctors saw the MRI of his left bicep, they argued it should have been, and still needed to be, surgically repaired which would have set him back $5,000 and six months without pay with no guarantee WWE would give him a contract at the end of it, something he couldn't afford at the time, so the decision was to take TNA's contract off as a no-brainer. <coughs> Dreams Dash. He debuted in October of 2009 under the name Desmond Wolf and began a feud with Kurt Angle. Yeah. Well, you got to understand at this point, he was like a kind of huge free agent. Like I said, one of the best independent wrestlers around. And uh, in the end... Like I said, having to choose uh, TNA. But like I said, his match with Kurt Angle is what we're going to watch. And we're using a fire stick now to try and get Impact Plus. So see how this does us. So here we go. It is Turning Point 2009, November 15th. And as we see, it's no longer Nigel McGuinness, but Desmond Wolf. And you've seen Kurt Angle, Dan. Like I said, it's 2009. What are your thoughts on what Desmond Wolf looks like and is now, and, of course, Kurt Angle and himself. Uh, well, Desmond Wolf, he's had uh, quite a significant character change. I mean, he's got rid of his uh, trademark blonde spikes. He does look, I don't know, he looks more WWE-ified. Yeah, you know, as yeah, soon as yeah. I became so close to being in WWE, it's kind of fitting. Kurt Angle looks like he's been on a crack binge. <laughs> um, you know, he looks a lot slimmer and in, in the face as well. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see what his kind of technical skill still is because, you know, obviously Kurt Angle, one of the best technical wrestlers ever to grace a WWE ring, going against someone with absolute, a lot of British wrestling potential. Yeah, I mean, we talk about Desmond Wolfe and what he can accomplish and the kind of the wrestlers he's faced in Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan and people might not even know he's done that and he's faced someone like Kurt Angle and, yeah, Kurt Angle... He's been in TNA at this point for three years. Of course, slimmed down a little bit due to the injuries that he's had. But this is still, and I hate people when I say dream match, but it's definitely a clash of two styles when you consider it someone from WWE to go to TNA, from Ring of Honor to uh, TNA. This is definitely a match-up that I still think is, is, is pretty big in a way, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Kurt Angle is really weird. <laughs> he's got no weight to him at the moment, has he? He's really no. dropped down. But Desmond Wolfe, okay, Nigel McGuinness, so what he can do in uh, TNA, 
Like I said, he wanted to move to WWE, but he had no choice in the end. Impact let him wrestle. Exactly the same thing with Kurt Angle. W said you can't wrestle due to your injury. But it is weird to see the two face off. And I think Angle's completely lost it yet. Collar and elbow tops to start. With referee shirt stealer Hebner. So did you watch the Impact or TNA at this time, Dan, at all? I didn't, know. Um, <clears throat> I only watched it when it became free on Terrestrial TV in England. Yeah, it was on Challenge, when it? When they had uh, AJ Styles and such. This. I think Desmond Wolf just a little bit after I stopped watching this. Of course, we considered WWE at the time as the advent of, uh, you know, I mean, I think Randy Orton and John Cena were still the top stars at this point. They needed some new blood. And that's what they got from Daniel Bryan and, of course, Nexus the following year. Whereas the TNA relied on the old, you know, stars of Desmond Wolf was a little bit different to what they usually signed. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, still an amazing competitor, especially from what we've seen tonight of him. <clears throat> Do you think this is going to change up his wrestling style now, though? Like seeing the MOI of the fucked up bicep? Yeah, do you, you know, you know, this is, you know, we've seen it with wrestlers in the past, maybe. With McGuinness finally getting to his moment against Angle... Is is he at his you know physical best? Do you think do you think the do you think the matches and the beatings he took in Ring of Honor were worth it to get to that point? Do you think he had to go as hard and as fast as he did to to get to WWE TNA? Oh, you know, I, I think he does. As as I was saying, you know, um, everything leading up to getting into WWE is an audition for WWE. You know, you just got to hope that on that night, someone somewhere from WWE talent scouting is watching that match and saying that man has got fucking potential. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going to TNA, he's going off against, you know, one of, arguably one of the biggest names ever to grace a wrestling ring. He's, you know, making a statement for himself. You know, he's holding his own against Kurt fucking Angle. You know, uh, he, won yeah. the, he won the gold medal with a broken freaking neck, James, don't you know? <laughs> and what would he be if he was in WWE right now? Part of um, Nexus? Could he have been the next Justin Gabriel in the core? You know, it's. Yeah. You, I'm not saying it would have been, but you know that is kind of where it was leading for him. Well, this is what it is, you know, and uh, we see him now going against Kurt Angle. Of course, Kurt Angle is still, you know, definitely on top of his game, even though he doesn't look it. And Desmond Wolf has stepped up to the plate and looks at equal. If not, if you look at the two men, you would say maybe Desmond Wolf is the more uh, professional looking, shall we say, in a weird if way. If I was looking at both of these, not knowing who either of them were. I would definitely say Desmond Wolfe slash Nigel McGuinness <laughs> would be the person who I'd say he's going to go on to be a WWE champion. Yeah. Whereas he, Kurt Angle's already been there and done that. And he's definitely got the looks, definitely got the aggression. Just just think we like in wrestlers, if you know what I mean. That's what Desmond Wolfe, he does the little things well, you know. Absolutely. His storytelling throughout all of this has been absolutely on point. <clears throat> okay, Angle snaps suplex to Desmond Wolfe. You know, and obviously going into this match with Kurt Angle, we've seen like the the attacks, the blind attacks, the you know the the attacking of Kurt Angle because he knows, you know, someone like Kurt Angle who has been there, who has done that, who has been, you know, in even in Nigel McGuinness's words, in set in WWE, he knows, you know, he's not someone to take lightly. Where he may have taken Generico, Steen, um, and everyone else he's gone against in these matches, now Austin Aries, Brian Danielson, who had not yet been there. You know, he took them with a pinch of salt because, you know, they're not from the major leagues. Yeah, it was use your analogy as well. It's and especially in this type of uh, match as well. It's, it's it's championship football. You can maybe make mistakes and get away. But if you're playing Premier League, if you're your competition, you can't afford to make a mistake or they'll put you away. And and this is the thing that uh, Nigel McGuinness now 
is seeing he's trying to get to that level and try and prove. And it's a statement of intent to say to him, right, I was in Ring of Honor, I was champion for, what, for, you know, 300 plus days. I faced all these guys. I'm now in TNA. I don't want to be just another guy. I want to be on top to, to, to beat everybody who comes. So would you say that he's gone from League One Ring of Honor to the championship in yeah, TNA? I think definitely. You know, time, he had yeah. brief trials with a premiership team. He won, yeah, he, he Didn't quite get there, but he's gone to the championship. You know, he is making a move up slowly. I think he's still got the dream as well at this point in time. He's still thinking maybe, maybe I can still make it. You know, even if I have a good couple of years with TNA and they see me, I can come up. I mean, just look at the plethora of talent that have come up from TNA to WWE, even if it is an XT for a brief run. I think Nigel, you know, and I think that's one of the kind of tragedies as well with his career. But at this moment in time, he's training with Kurt, and we've seen this before with Nigel beginners enjoying hurting people. And turns it around. It's definitely a Nigel move. Now he's going to get the arm put behind his back. Again, it's a British wrestling style. You see as well, joint manipulation all the time. Absolutely. Do you think Pete Dunne may have learned a thing or two from watching old Nigel McGuinness tapes? I mean, you know, obviously when Pete Dunne was coming up into the game, he would have studied Brit wrestlers. I don't think a British... You can't get to Pete Dunne if not through Nigel McGuinness. The evolution of a British wrestler, so to speak. The regal... And the McGuinness and then a Dunn. Because that's what you say with Pete Dunn. The similarities in the kind of style that they've got. That's what British wrestling's kind of evolved into now as well. And it's a big credit. Of course, let's not forget Finlay, you know. Maybe even before Regal a little bit. And of course, all the other greats that we're hoping to dive into. And of course, we just started with Nigel McGuinness. Because it's someone that people will be familiar with, of course. Even with name, with WWE. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's before seeing this, I used to think that Brit wrestling went... Uh, Regal done, but you know it's you're kind of leaving out a step in between. Regal was kind of he was still in WWE at this point, I believe, or yeah, he was yeah, there yeah, or thereabouts. But he wasn't, you know, as predominant. But now you know you can kind of see McGuinness has taken up the reins. He's kind of running with it, and these are the kind of people that done uh, that Tyler Bate are studying. You know, they're they're watching tapes of him. You know, they're you know even. Dean Ambrose. Yeah, exactly. Is it, exactly is it's evident yeah. that he's learning from him. And that just shows what a kind of a great wrestler and role model he was. Because like I said, as a champion, he was a guy who always went out there and gave it his all. And it's someone that even Kurt Angle would have respected with seeing him, you know. And, and this is the thing. As Kurt Angle just hit an overhead belly-to-belly suplex, looking to come back into it after some Nigel uh, control. Yeah, well, Kurt Angle's absorbed a bit of Nigel's punishment. Came back with a few quick clotheslines. Irish rip reverse over Angle comes firing back, goes high McGuinness into a cover, no. but Nigel managing to kick out. Oh. And Nigel now looking for the clothesline, a big lariat, of course. And we talk about trouble with his shoulders. Could he hit those every night of the week? But Kurt Angle grabs him round the waist, looking for the trivector of Germans. Talk about two again. Talk about two wrestlers who suffered so many injuries. Kurt Angle, Nigel McGuinness. He hit the third one, but he's still holding on. Well, he normally lets go after the third, but I think he realises Nigel take an extra one. Still got the grip. I like this look of Nigel McGuinness as much as the last look as well, even though it's slightly different. It's more professional, like I said, more WWE type, the blue trunks and stuff like that. Five German suplexes. And still got the grip locked. These two men have suffered kind of neck issues and concussion issues in the past. And Nigel's in, oh, sorry, Desmond's in all sorts of trouble. Well, you know, and even Alexander Wolfgang. <laughs> yeah, he's his son. <laughs> well, six German suplexes later, Angle finally releases his grip of James 
The fucking straps have gone down. They have, they have. And I've just realised something as well, and I'll say it in a minute. As Kurt, looking for the angle slam. The Olympic slam is TNA. Well, whatever it is. McGinnis oh! reversed it. Two. Oh. oh. Hit a lariat, but Angle managed to kick out. Uh-huh. I think this might be the first time ever we've seen two guys. It might not be. I'll say it's the first time. Like WWE, we've had it before, but it's the first time ever. Two guys who've had superstar profiles fighting off against each other in WNL podcast history. Of course, Nigel McGuinness we're doing now. Kurt Angle, we've done before. I believe you're correct. Undertaker versus Randy Orton. Yeah, I think Randy Orton versus Angle as well. But and McGuinness now going for the Tower London. No, Angle wise to it. Hits an Olympic slam into the cover. Two. No. no. McGuinness managing to kick out. Uh, and unlike other superstar profiles, McGuinness has actually won all of his matches so far. Can he do? Can he get a perfect score? <laughs> <laughs> we believe in you, Desmond. It would be a huge statement, but God. Wow, Angle looking for a kind of headlock, a bit of control, but that arm just gets wrenched round. I know he's got his arm lock submission. And Angle in all sorts of trouble. Biting down on the gum shield. Straight into the angle lock. We see how Desmond worked the arm and Angle. He's got the ankle. Well, we've seen McGuinness escape a fair few uh, submission attempts. But can Desmond? But and now he, he's got the arm. Beautiful, yeah. He managed to transition down. And he's caught Kurt. Angle rolls through. Picks the ankle again. And this could be it for Desmond Wolf. Will this be a turning point for it? Match and him. Well, Wolf's trying to get to the bottom rope. Fingertips away. Angle drags him back to the middle of the ring. How much longer can he hold on for? <laughs> every single match we've seen, he's been in a submission hold for an ungodly amount of time. The punishment he goes through. Well, he has managed to get to the bottom rope, finally. Finally. I think this could be the end now. Fast shot, this is awesome as Nigel. Desmond makes his way to his feet. No, turns it around and plants him with a huge DDT. Well, that must have sent Shockwave down his neck into his spine. And that's what Desmond targeted when he first met Kurt. He knew his weak spot and he knows it again. And now he's looking to end things. Well, and that Tower of London finisher is going to certainly put an exclamation point on things. And Nigel's, uh, Desmond's got more targets working at six-sided ring. Bang, plants Angle's head down into the mat. And he's that saying is that's it. done. Going for the cover. One, two. two. No. no. Well, I think that brief pause of him kind of taking a moment to brag before getting the job done kind of halted his progress. Yeah, and exactly. It might be saying that in the Ring of Honor, that might be job done. But when you're doing it against Olympic gold medalist, former W champion Kurt Angle, it looks like Wolf is going to take aim with the lariat. No, <laughs> Angle hits one of his own. And now Kurt's going up. Moonsault. Oh, no. Wolf moved out of the way. Straight into that key lock. And now the knee to the lower back as well. Kurt's cool. Oh, was that a tap? No, he just grabbed the mat. Uh, he's scooting his way backwards. Foot on the... And you see Desmond's frustrated. And then look at his surroundings. Maybe the first time we've seen a little bit of frustration. As he looked for another Tower London. Although Kurt's grabbed him. Angle doing what he can to fight out. But a throat chop there. Kind of releases Angle's uh, grip on him. <clears throat> Kurt's got his legs locked around the top rope trying to prevent himself from being superplexed fighting back to McGuinness now Kurt off the top frog splash one two no, no. McGuinness throws angle and he hits <laughs> shirt stealer Hebner 
Well, somehow he's still in this matchup. Well, we talk about does Desmond Wolf belong? What would he have done at this moment in time? Fantastic match with Kurt. Win or lose at this moment. And it's Zangle looking for the scoop slap. No. Oh my god, look at the tombstone pile driving. No, reverse by McGuinness. Bangle slides down into the ankle lock. Uh-oh, and now he's cool. If he gets the grapevine in, McGuinness is fucked. Yeah, without a doubt, as he realises he's trying to push him off, but like a pit bull. Relentless angle. The straps are down, so it's 10% more effective. <laughs> oh, and Kurt there grabbing the arm himself. You can see Wolf trying to keep hold of his hands. Looking for a cross-arm breaker. So he turns it into a triangle. Oh, no. Oh, it wasn't to be a first <laughs> for the WNR podcast. Well, we thought we were going to get it, but no, Desmond Wolf tapped out. Kurt Angle beat him. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? Uh, an absolute great match again against someone who's as established as Kurt Angle. Still managed to hold his own. Still managed to pull out a very good match. Not quite the storytelling as he was doing in Ring of Honor. But still a good story told between him and Kurt Angle. You can maybe tell that it was Angle directing traffic in the matchup, just because obviously he's just come into the promotion as well. But I think he, you know, like I said, first big night on the job. And I think he did really, really well. And I think he proved that he can mix it with those type of guys, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so that's the fun bit of the podcast <laughs> now. No, we're going to uh, get into it. TNA was having a surge of popularity at the time, and the rival former Ring of Honor superstar was an exciting addition to the TNA roster that featured some of his old opponents like Samoa Joe, appears like AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. McGuinness would surprisingly face AJ Styles for the first time in his career with TNA in a match for Styles' TNA World Heavyweight Championship on the December 2009 episode of Impact. His last opportunity for the TNA World title was in May of 2010 against champion RVD. But Desmond Wolfe's involvement in TNA storylines was waning. In the fall of 2010, McGuinness was gone from TNA, but it wasn't by choice. Neither McGuinness or TNA. During a medical, he tested positive for hepatitis B, an infectious inflammatory illness of the liver. Luckily for McGuinness, there is a vaccine for hep B, unlike its deadlier cousin, hep C. But he spent 14 months recovering and fighting the disease. By June of 2011, TNA had waited out long enough and officially released McGuinness from his contract. So he's at a crossroads. And on why I retired despite now being cured of hepatitis C. He said, I made the decision that I wasn't going to wrestle anymore unless I was doing something that I hadn't done before, which leaves WWE. I put out fearless to WWE, and from everything I could surmise, there wasn't interest. So at that point, there were really no option for me other than to retire. And what did McGuinness think of that? He said, as far as achieving my dream, I don't think I did. My dream was to be a WWE wrestler, to be like the Ultimate Warrior, to show them for everybody to know who I was and make hundreds of thousands of dollars and then retire and get married and have kids. I certainly didn't achieve that and I'm okay with that. So we move on to the next chapter. Last of the McGuinness. When people have asked me to name my favourite wrestling documentary over the years, I've always pointed to the Last of McGuinness documentary on Nigel McGuinness, which is just a tremendous piece of art more than anything else. Funded by a kickstart campaign, the documentary is a very moving and very emotional tale of one man trying to achieve his dream and coming to the realisation that it would never happen. The premise of the documentary was one final tour before he quit on his dream forever for himself and for his health. At the time, the actual documentary looked like a dream was truly over. It's a breezier but not as happy-go-lucky version of Colt Cabana's excellent Road to Wrestling Road Diaries DVD focusing in on following Nigel as he travels back and forth between the United States and UK for his bittersweet retirement tour that was held 
last year. Unlike Cabana, who is still one of the most joyful and respected hands in the inner scene, we see McGuinness struggling to come to terms with the fact it was time to move on with his life. As despite his immense talent, it had become clear to him that his lifelong ambition of wrestling for WWE would never come to fruition. There's also some eerie real-life parallels to Darren Aronofsky's 2008 movie, The Wrestler. Similar to Mike, Mickey Rourke's character, Randy the Ram Robinson, after having a taste of fame of being a national wrestling star, Nigel ends up working the deli counter too, before seeking closure by stepping into the squared circle for one last time run on small-time shows. However, the lasting message of the film is simple. It's my hope that people will stop intentionally bleeding on shows, promotions will stop allowing it, Fans will stop supporting it, and wrestlers will get tested and get vaccinated. Well, McGuinness was relatively lucky as he didn't contact Hepatitis C, like he had previously been rumoured, but a less serious Hepatitis B virus instead, while working for TNA. Still, it took him a course of antiviral medication to be cured of the illness after the infection didn't clear his system naturally, by which the point the trigger-happy TNA had prematurely fired him. After watching the movie, it would be hard not to agree with Nigel that an industry-wide ban on juicing is necessary, and long overdue. But the likelihood of it happening is unfortunately very slim, as there will always be a niche group of fans that will crave their gore and bunch of wrestlers that are willing to mutilate themselves to satisfy that bloodlust in return for a big crowd pop. Low Nigel withholds from strongly criticising the former employee. The movie does come off as a sad indictment of them as a company. They have a plum spot on Prime TV on Spike, which is available in almost as many homes as the USA Network, yet Nigel is constantly reminded of his travels as the exposure meant jack shit for his public recognition. Well, this was yet another example of TNA's appalling treatment of talent. As mentioned earlier, like Taylor Wilde before him, he had to get himself a menial job after the wrestling promotion dragged its feet in giving him a non-wrestling role as promised, so he could still afford to pay his bills while being on the sidelines. Well, in the end, they didn't stick by him in the hour of need, impatiently given his marching orders just one month before he was cured of his disease. He ended up with nothing to show for two years of law service to the second largest wrestling organisation in America. So hard done by his parents, he even had to pay for his flight back to the UK to return for Christmas and his British farewell matches. Even when he looks back, it's a shame WWE wasn't willing to sign him and pay for his surgery. He was such a great prospect and it would have been worth the financial risk. Maybe if they had done so, he would have rubbed shoulders with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan on them. Well, part of what makes this movie a real pleasure to sit through, though, is what Nigel's love for the art form, perhaps even bordering on a obsession of time, and a strong understanding of ring psychology really shines through despite all his trials and tribulations. This is reflected by how the wrestling footage is edited together, perfectly capturing the buzz of the crowd and the thrill of the moment. The story tells, he tells is also aided by the interactions of his colleagues, friends and family, who have all starkly different perspectives on the value and worth of his career. Well, my only major criticism of the film... Major criticism? ...is that Nigel doesn't probe in any great detail the important issue of head trauma in professional wrestling, which is falsely believed to be the cause of his health problems at one point. Even though concussions didn't directly end his career, one can't help but think that the depression he sinks into after losing his TNA job and mood swings he exhibits while filming his documentary may have been exasperated all by the brain bashing he took from working such a hard-hitting wrestling style in Ring of Honor and pro wrestling Noah for six years. But one fun moment from the documentary we've seen a lot of UK talent roughly seven years before 
being in NXT UK. Wrestlers such as Trent Seven, Jack Gallagher, and Zach Gibson were involved in Nigel's retirement tour. And it's fun to watch Robbie Brookside before he became a noteworthy coach in NXT. Seeing how far the UK independent scene has come in about seven years is interesting in itself. And McGuinness should be proud that he had a hand in that. Farewell. Well, although medically cleared to return to the ring at 35 years old, Nigel McGuinness has simply had enough. He was too beat up, too drained to ever catch on with the WWE, and his body wasn't to get back to the peak condition on his ring of honour. William Regal once called Nigel McGuinness the best wrestler in the world, and Nigel never believed it because he wasn't in the WWE. And for him, that was all that mattered. We returned to the US and rejoined Ring of Honour, although this time a commentary. He remained at the Ring of Honour announce table until 2016. Reborn. When he finally made his destination, his final destination, a gig with the WWE, although not his dream of forming as a superstar, he became the voice of WWE's next expansion plans, the United Kingdom. He made his debut on the WWE commentary team with the inaugural WWE United Kingdom Championship Tournament in January of 2017 with his appointment to the NXT announce team to replace the departing Corey Graves. Well, that September, he would add to his duties by joining the booth for 205 Live, a main event, and now... He is the UK commentator on the NXT UK, where McGuinness wrestled in over a decade ago. Chasing the dream. Well, the documentary that premiered on the WWE Network tried to show what led to Nigel's dream becoming a reality. It would obviously be very to recapture what made the last of McGuinness so special. The majority of the original documentary was recorded in real time, and therefore it felt more like real and emotionally raw. While the network special did a decent enough job of showing the career of Nigel prior to WWE rejecting him due to medical issues, it does feel like a sanitised version of the last of the last of McGuinness. Well, WWE told a story and it was a very honest and open account. I did wonder whether they were going to feature any information about the difference of opinions on his bicep injury and then his run with TNA and other medical issues. But all this was covered in new documentary, so therefore I have to applaud WWE for being open and honest about the story. Again, though, it didn't feel as raw and I didn't empathise with McGuinness as much as I did during his own production. One of the characteristics shown of Nigel in the last of McGuinness is the fact that one minute he seemed to be on top of the world, the next moment he was back down again. That was evident on the new WWE documentary as they showed a clip of him in the hotel getting ready to go to the Royal Albert Hall and talking excitedly about the evening's event. And then the next minute they show him in the hallways of the arena seemingly quite down while wishing he had the opportunity to wrestle there. Well, this was a constant in the last of McGuinness where he felt the need to reassure himself that despite the way his career ended, he had a decent run. Some people might see this as an annoying trait. However, I see this as a man who is never satisfied with what he's achieved and always wants to strive for more. Going into watching the WWE documentary, I re-watched the last of the McGuinness documentary and feel that it is far superior to the WWE offering. If you've never seen The Last of McGuinness, I would strongly recommend the network special and then watch the original, original documentary. Yeah, not only do you get the sense of some of the highlights of his career with a network special, but you also get to see the dream being achieved, which makes The Last of McGuinness a lot more palatable. When the original documentary was released in 2013, watching McGuinness spiral into depression and slimly out of control was very disturbing. But the knowledge he has achieved his dream and now is happy in comparison is wonderful to watch. The network special is better in terms of having access to the talent who wrestled McGuinness in Ring of Honor, such as Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins and Cesaro. The other places, such as Kurt Angle in TNA, they also they have a wonderful story to tell regarding McGuinness and his influence in the industry, especially when you consider how unlikely it was for someone from the UK to achieve what he did in the early 2000s. Well, there's also a noteworthy omission for Bryan regarding his visual W medical sound, which I applaud WWE for not 
editing out. So what about Nigel McGuinness's legacy? Well, today, most WWE fans only know Nigel McGuinness as a WWE commentator, working on multiple brands such as NXT, 205 Live and Main Event, as well as WWE United Kingdom Championship specials. But he wasn't always an announcer. During the 2000s, part of the class of indie superstars mentioned in the same breath as emerging indie stars like AJ Styles, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. But fortune turned to misfortune as he hit the Golden Gates in his fourth retirement to become some of the biggest superstars in history. But what did the other superstars and wrestlers think of him? So here's a couple of guys that actually faced him in Ring of Honor, Dan. Well, Seth Rollins said Nigel was one of the best guys I ever... <clears throat> well, Seth Rollins said Nigel was one of the best guys I was ever in the ring with. A guy who was beyond his years in experience, smart, very driven, and one of the hardest hitters I've ever faced. He influenced a lot of myself, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. He was a veteran when we were coming up. Nigel was influential in our style and teaching us how to be top guys. He was a standard bearer when we came up. He's very special as a human being and a performer. If those competitors in the UK Championship Tournament aren't soaking his knowledge up like a sponge, then they're missing out. He has so much information, so many years of experience. If they're not using him as a tool to get better, they're really missing out. Well, Kevin Owens said, when El Generico and I first showed up in Ring of Honor, where Nigel made the biggest name for himself over the years, we weren't exactly popular with a locker room. McGuinness was one guy that made us feel like we belonged there and welcomed us. He went out of his way to make sure we felt at home. He was one of the most passionate guys I've ever seen or been in the ring with. If you look back at the legacy Nigel left on the independence, it's some of the best matches you'll see anywhere. Some of the hardest hitting stuff you see, especially as Ring of Honor champion, Nigel left it in the ring every night. It probably played a part of him joining WWE as a commentator instead of a wrestler because everything he did took a toll on his body. But that's how much pride he took in when he did in the ring. That reflected very strongly on anybody in the independence who watched Nigel do his thing. They want to work as hard as they could because he did. They couldn't help but be inspired by it. Well, Cesaro went on to say... Nigel McGuinness was ahead of his time. He was one of the fiercest competitors I've ever been in the ring with. He was from Europe, so when I first moved here, I heard a lot about Nigel because he did it before me. Moved to the United States and made it as a wrestler. To him was awesome and an honour on so many levels. In my first Ring of Honor title match, we headlined New York City's Hammerstein Ballroom, which is still pretty high in my book. Nothing but respect for Nigel. He was Ring of Honor's champion for a long time. He gave it all, literally, for that title. Well, Austin Aries says, McGuinness was always so driven to prove himself to himself and prove others wrong. He sacrificed a lot to chase his dream, moving across the world, away from his family, along with physical and mental toll of wrestling. It's a real success story for anybody that wants to know how to make it in the industry. Look at a guy like Nigel and what he's willing to do and to sacrifice and get where he wants to go. It's a great example. You can do it if you're willing to put the work in. On the flip side, there's not much a better human being. Nigel McGuinness is a quality person, that's not always easy to come by in this crazy business we're in. It's full of egos. We're all competing with each other for a limited number of spots. A guy like Nigel is class in and out of the ring. No one deserves this more than him. I was at a crossroads in my career about six years ago. I moved in with Nigel down in Florida. At that time, he had lost his job at the company he was working with as I was transitioning into that company. Despite that, he was super supportive, which gave me the opportunity to get my career back on. He went out to LA, did his stuff, and was having a great time out there. But I always knew in his heart, heart of hearts, in the back of his mind, WWE is where he wanted to be and deserved to be. Now he's got the chance. So, Nigel McGuinness, that is nearly it. But, Dan, 
What are your thoughts, Nigel McGuinness? You came in today knowing him as a... Well, what are your thoughts? How did you know Nigel McGuinness before today? And now what are your thoughts afterwards? Um, before today, he was just a commentator that I used to take the mick out of the way he spoke. And he was literally just, Nigel McGuinness, talking about wrestling, sat ringside, not doing much, not having much of a respect in my opinion. But after seeing Nigel, I will no longer take the piss out of the way you talk because the respect you've gained from me from doing what he does in the ring, absolutely fucking brilliant. He was someone that if he hadn't have had that bicep injury, if WWE had have taken that chance, he could have been something a lot more special and achieved his dream, which he worked so hard to do. Do you think he deserved his own superstar profile on the WWE podcast? Absolutely. Before sure, I thought it was just going to be another fucking wrestler that kind of done a few matches, you know, had wrestling matches against such and such. But, you know, a 350-day run with a Ring of Honor title, absolutely fucking epic. The matches that we've seen him in, especially against people kind of established now, it's a shame to see that he didn't quite get there. What was the best match that we saw, you reckon, out of the, the four? I think against Austin Aries. Yeah, it was a really good match. Absolutely <laughs> fucking brilliant match, yeah. Yeah, they both put it on the line. But that's what Nigel McGuinness showed, that what he could do. And like you say, he's a guy that should be recognised. He is the link in between a running Regal and a Pete Dunne and how we got there. And like I said, he credited it all. If he didn't give everything, you know, that's a horrible thing to say sometimes. He gave everything every single day, every single night of his performance. And that cost him in the end, you know? But if he didn't give everything, and if he didn't put it all in, all on the line, every night he was in the ring, he wouldn't have got that opportunity. So he was kind of damned if he did, and damned if he didn't. Yeah. But what annoys me, though, is that some wrestlers will be in WWE just sitting there collecting their contract money. Mojo fucking raw. Not, you know, not caring about what position. And Nigel would have killed to have a position on WWE. And that's what's all we see. What a worker. And, and what a jerk. Do you know what I mean? He's from a dream for a kid. For the, the kind of the, the, what I think he's had to go through as well. The kind, I don't say the triumph and tra- tragedy of it, but do you know what I mean? The Nigel McGuinness story is a story that is so fascinating as well, isn't it? You know, absolutely, yeah. And he is such a polarizingly different character <laughs> in the ring, and what we've seen of him tonight, then he is sat behind the commentary yeah, desk yeah, as well, yeah. which is absolutely great. Well, no, in the end, he made it by hook or crook, and he made it to the WWE where today he's one of the best announcers. In the world, and a Dublin salute, Nigel McGuinness. Uh, so that is it for Nigel McGuinness. What an episode it has been! What a journey we have been on. And I hope people have just gained, like I said, new respect for Nigel McGuinness. And the next time you see him, realize the kind of journey the guy's been on. Uh, but that is it. And of course, next weekend, we've got a huge weekend next weekend, Dan, haven't we? Yes, <laughs> uh, yes, next weekend we have NXT update. And Sunday, we are live for NXT TakeOver Portland pre-show. Yeah, so we will have NXT update on the Saturday. We cannot believe it. That will be the Dusty Roads Tag Team Classic, Dan. Can't wait for that, can Big you? on the bros away. Yeah. Of course, Keith Lee challenges Roger Strong for the North America Championship as well. We're going to have all the action on the NXT update. And of course, next Sunday, live for Portland as well. But that was it. For Nigel McGuinness. Dan, final thoughts on Nigel McGuinness. Absolutely brilliant. And I promise you, this is going to be the last time I take the mickey out of you, Nigel. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Nigel McGuinness special. I've done everything I could to get to the WWE, but I came just short. 
I hope you realise your dreams and potentials and make them come true. Well, there we go. That is it, Billy. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter. We'll be posting all the links for the matches. And, of course, the last of the McGuinness documentary as well. That'll be on Twitter, at WB Network Review. And... Or you can come and find me and add me. I am at Vince McDan, WWE. Hello, I'm Jack, at Jan School Rollins. Is that how we do Twitter? I cannot no, remember. Doesn't matter anyway. We're on Twitter there. Send us an email, doublepodcast at gmail.com. And we're on Instagram, the Dublin Podcast. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. And come find our page and give us a like with a WNR podcast. And come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, the WNR Podcast. On their latest podcast, got the same time. On YouTube as well, place like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're on Speaker Radio. We're going to have our live shows, Stitch Radio, and iTunes. We can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But as it, like I say, huge weekend. It's NXT weekend next weekend. I am going to go watch uh, about 20 hours of Nigel McGuinness matches. Uh, but until then, I have been James Rollins, and as always, I was joined by Dan White. Thanks for this, everybody, and bye. Bye. <laughs>